was all eyes were focused on the sickly chimpanzee as Caleb had drawn the curtain back. Suddenly behind them, they heard the click of a gun and a very familiar voice. Turn around slowly and show me your hands. And as they turned, they realized that it was Greg Jarvison who was speaking to them with the gun pointed at them. Greg Jarvison, he was the head of maintenance. He was like the number one guy on the island who made things happen. What was he up to? Rick, check him. Make sure they don't have anything on him, he asked. Got it, boss. He then leaned in and he said, okay, guys, tell me what you know. Here we go. Tell me what you know. And Caleb says, well, this is what we know, that you have been, are plotting to probably wipe out half the world's population in the process of making $3.7 trillion. That's what we know. And Greg said, sounds like you know a little bit too much. Hmm. Tell you what, Rick, we're going to take him to the ship. We're going to tie him up. High tide tomorrow morning. You guys are setting sail. I think we have enough explosives and a remote left over. When they're far enough out at sea, how ironic. Captain Avery Scott's boat taking you to Davy Jones' locker. Oh, that's right, boss. Lizzie pipes up. I can't believe you're going to kill so many people for just a few bucks. Greg Jarvison says, a few bucks? A few bucks? We're going to be rolling in the money, more money than you could spend in a, a hundred lifetimes, in a million lifetimes. A few bucks. And Mr. Stevenson is so naive to it all. How ironic that the very island that is to rescue lost souls will be the one to kill so many. <laughs> Rick says, oh, good one, boss. And then Greg looks at Caleb and says, Caleb, you should consider this a favor. The world is so overpopulated Hmm. You'll never get away with it. Oh, never get away with it. You don't realize how deep this goes. We're in almost every nation. We have high-ranking officials in the government. There's nothing that we could do that we couldn't get away with. Oh, get away with it? We most certainly will. We'll have the people of the world feeding out of our hands. They'll do exactly what we say. Mm. Go ahead, Rick, let's tie them up. So with that, they take them off into the boat and they tie them up, bind them, gag them. They can't talk, they can't move, and they leave them there for high tide the next morning, nine o'clock.
while they're sitting there tied up. Caleb pats his pocket looking at David. David looks at him. This time, of all times, nothing in his pockets, no rubber bands, no paper clips, no pencils or pens, no bubblegum wrappers, and not even a pocket knife. What are they to do? They're going to have to wait this out till tomorrow morning. Well, the following morning, Early in the morning, the cavern where the ship and the three subs are are abuzz with people. A dozen or more MSG industry workers loading and unloading the subs of supplies. Greg Jarvison takes his flashlight, goes aboard the pirate ship, and he says, Well, you guys have about 30 minutes, and then you set sail for the last time. I would say, go ahead and say your goodbyes, but oh, that's right, you can't talk. About this time, Rick steps out of the sub that's closest to the ship, and he says, all right, Greg, I've got the remote, and I'm about to load the explosives, and at that point, gunfire splits a beam, a wooden beam above Greg Jarvison's head. Rick, Greg, climb aboard the ship, returning gunfire across the cavern. Ten teenage boys scurry behind crates marked MSG Industries, and Jorge Sanchez follows them. There's a volley of gunfire that lasts several minutes. Realizing that they're pinned down, Greg says to Rick, cover me, Rick. And when Rick starts shooting, unloading his gun, Greg runs to the first submarine, closes the hatch, turns around, and speeds out of the cavern towards the lagoon. Rick stands up, returning more gunfire, gets shot in the shoulder and falls. His gun, his gun drops into the water. A few more volleys of gunfire. And then it slows down. MSG industry crew members completely stop firing. There's silence. There's a shout, cover me, boys. And Jorge begins to walk toward the ship, shining his flashlight. There's no return gunfire. He climbs aboard and he undoes Caleb's gag and rope. And as he begins to undo the rest of the, 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 the crew, the, those who are tied up, suddenly they hear an explosion. Rick, who's wounded, says, I can't believe it. He used the remote. I told him that I, I was trying to tell him I hadn't unloaded all the explosives. He would have blown me up. The explosion the dust from the explosion began to settle. No more gunfire. All is quiet. Caleb says to Jorge, we're going to need to have the police come down here. There's many wounded, and in the back there's computers with the names of all of the government officials throughout the world who are involved in this. Jorge looks at him and he says, well, what has happened? He says, 
Greg Jarvison has headed up a scientific experiment to release a virus on the world that was going to kill nearly half the world's population and then introduce a cure to make over $3 trillion. We're going to need help. There's a lot of people here who are injured. Jorge says, I got it. I'm going to radio Mary Ann. She's the nurse here, you know, and I'm going to radio my guy Roberto. Used to be a paramedic and works with me in maintenance. And while he is radioing them, Caleb begins to untie and release everybody else. And then Caleb says, how long until the police get here? Jorge says, oh, probably only about 10 minutes. I've already radioed them. They're on their way. Caleb looks up at him and he says, Jorge, I don't mean to sound too dramatic, but you and your boys from the gun, the gun shooting class just saved the world. Jorge kind of looked at him. He says, to be honest with you, it does sound a little bit dramatic, saved the world. I got to get back there, though, because I got to lead the police down here. They're going to meet me at the estate. Caleb says, well, look, I know a shortcut. You came through the cavern from the lighthouse. Let me take you directly to the estate. The, he takes them through the open door down the tunnel that leads to the estate. David in charge is tending to people. Later that evening, as, every, as the police had confiscated all the computers, the wounded had been attended to, the ship that was just offshore, had been quarantined, and then Greg Jarvison's submarine, at least what remained of it, was gathered. As they sat down for dinner, things a little bit quieter, more relaxed with Jorge and Miguel and Luis and Caleb, David and Lizzie gathered together just to spend time and decompress from the excitement of the morning. Jorge asks him, and he says, I can't, he tells him, I can't believe that Greg was willing to kill so many people to make so much money. Caleb said, honestly, it doesn't surprise me. And Lizzie looked up at him and he says, what do you mean it doesn't surprise you? This was horrible. And Caleb said this, you know what? I've just learned that in the heart of every man, there is sin. And that sin is a sickness, it's like a disease that affects everyone. But God has given us a cure. There is no one who is immune to this. But I tell you what, Jesus came to be the cure. And Jorge says, yeah, Jesus came for us. And I know he came for me. And Caleb looked at him. And he said, Jorge, are you trying to tell me that you have put your faith in Jesus Christ? He said, 100%, all in. Lizzie said, that's amazing, Mr. Jorge. When did this happen? He said, oh, last night. Then I had the dream that led me to you guys. And they all looked at him and he said, how did you find us? And Jorge says, you're not going to believe this. This is a very strange story indeed. 
but last night while I was just wrestling with God, and Caleb, all that you had shared with me about God's love and Jesus being the cure, the answer for what sin sickness there was inside of me, I wrestled, and after I had made that heart surrender, I finally fell asleep. But just before I awoke, I had a dream. Strangest dream I have ever had. Right there in pitch darkness, I saw Luis and Miguel running for their life from someone. I, I couldn't make out his face. I heard gunfire. Then I saw the two of them fall, wounded. And within seconds, the wound had been infected. And not long after that, so infected, their lives were threatened. That is a strange dream. But what's stranger is, it's as if I could see this, but I was in my bedroom. And I can remember sitting on the edge of my bed, knowing what had happened. And then I just asked God, I said, God, what can I do to help these two boys? And as I looked up, there on my far wall was that picture I have of the lighthouse. I knew that God was trying to show me something. I went to the lighthouse. And as I entered the lighthouse, it was suddenly dark, and there before me were Luis and Miguel. And at that moment, my alarm woke me up. Now, is that not a strange dream? But here's what I did. I was in such a panic. My heart was racing. Some, I just felt something was wrong. I sat up in bed. I immediately threw my clothes on. I dashed down the hallway to the lobby. And there on the lobby, I found the login book. Miguel? Luis had not checked in. I began to panic. Maybe something is wrong. And this God that I just put my faith and trust in was trying to tell me something. I climbed into the maintenance uh, car, drove immediately to the lighthouse, unlocked the door, walked in, shone my light around because it was so dark in there, and across the way, against the wall, the wall was uneven. And Lizzie spoke up. She said, you found the door. And he said, that's exactly what it was. Sticking out just maybe half an inch, not closed all the way. I opened it up to discover a spiraling staircase, a room, and then a tunnel. So I just followed the tunnel. Half a mile or more. And when I did, early in the morning, I could see these crew workers. And one of their light flashed onto the ship. And there you guys were. I knew you were in trouble. I didn't fully understand the dream, but I knew I needed to get help. So I dashed back. I got my boys up from the, from the shooting class you set me in charge of. We all had our weapons. We came down, and, well, you know the rest. Caleb said to him, Jorge, you, my friend, are a hero. The two boys, Miguel and Luis, together in unison said, yes, you're a hero. Wow. And Lizzie said, but can I ask you, Mr. Jorge, why do you think God gave you a dream about Luis and Miguel? And Jorge paused for a moment and smiled, and he said, that too is a very strange story. Boys and girls, I'm going to have to tell you that story next week. Oh.
But I want to challenge you. As you've been listening to these stories, you know that there is a sickness in mankind, just like that virus that affects everyone. No one is immune, but there is only one cure. And that cure to our sin sickness in our soul is only Jesus. No one else. It's not a thing out there. It's not the striving for happiness. It is everything in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for us. And I hope as we go through these stories, boys, girls, that you're going to come to that place where you truly put your faith in Jesus Christ, the only cure that humanity has.